Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, where we interview the senior leaders in large accounting firms and networks to talk about juicy topics like leadership, vision, culture, talent, growth, change, performance, and strategy. I'm your host, Rob Brown, and I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Accounting Network, Russell Bedford International, Stephen Hamlet. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Thanks for the invitation, and great to talk to you. Good to be here. And just for the benefit of people listening that may not have come across Russell Bedford and yourself, tell us a bit about what you do and, and Russell Bed. So I've been a chief executive now for well, exactly a year and a half. Previously, I worked for other international accounting associations. But Russell Bedford International is a network of independently managed and owned practices around the world. We cover about 300 offices in 80 to 90 countries with about 120 independent firms. So these are firms that would give accounting, auditing, tax, business consultancy advice. What's the accounting network space like? These associations, there's a few of them, aren't there? Yeah, so they we differentiate between associations, alliances and networks. So I've come from an association background and now I'm my first time in a network. The networks are governed by the IFAC former firms. We have to have quality, annual quality control processes. And I'm finding it more of a sort of close-knit group, which has, has worked very well so far in my first year and a half. And what makes a, an accounting firm a good Russell Bedford candidate? We're looking for you know like-minded individuals, similar size firms who share similar clients, you know, clients that are looking to expand internationally into other jurisdictions or will work on subsidiaries of, of clients that are, are companies that are owned overseas. So, you know, we're very careful in our recruitment process that we get the right firms with the right culture, the right ethos, ones that want to support the brand of Russell Bedford and give that tried and trusted quality around the world as clients look to be referred. Hmm. And who exactly is Russell Bedford? So Russell Bedford was actually uh, one of the founding members was Lubbock Fine is where I am today. This is our, our London member firm. And I think the name came from the used to be uh, in Russell Square and Bedford Square. So they put the two together and it became Russell Bedford International. So that's where you get an Anglo-Saxon name and it comes from obviously the UK. But then, you know, it came from them needing to find reliable resources around the world as their clients look to expand. Partners will obviously have lots of contacts, but if you put it all together into a network and you build those relationships, that was the whole idea and ethos. And that established, you know, 35 years ago. And look where we are now with, as I said, 300 offices across 90 countries. Mm, it's a great success story. And when you look at other accounting networks, what makes Russell Bedford a little bit different? Well, I'm fortuitous to have been in a couple of other associations, international groups. And what I've noticed at Russell Bedford, one, as I was saying earlier about the network and the quality that we have to impose, not just on recruitment, but annually to make sure that our firms maintain that quality. But also I'm finding there seems a lot of young energy. So, you know, a lot of the associations are getting a for want of a, of, a, of a better word, you know, a bit sort of tired and you find a lot of the older and senior partners would be the same people coming to the conferences, whereas we're really encouraging and we're getting younger people, the average age of the attendance at our conferences, a lot lower, I'm finding. So we're picking up some very young firms, maybe ex-Big Four partners you want to set up alone. You know, and some of the great firms you picked up recently in the last year are managing partners sort of in their 40s, you know, with young teams and lots of ambition. So 
it's great. There's a great buzz and energy around the network at the moment. Having come back last year from uh, last week from our 35 year anniversary in New York, just a lot of the, and I really notice it, a lot of the LinkedIn articles I've been writing, the buzz and the energy, a lot of these young people coming through, which is great. Mm. And we are in a millennial world now, aren't we? Absolutely. And all the, uh, the technology uh, and everything that is changing and embracing those changes. It's great to have the people that are, are looking to encourage those younger generations. But what would have to be happening in an accounting firm, Stephen, for them to be saying to themselves, I wonder if we need to join a network. And if so, what network should we join? Well, you're finding with globalization and the world becoming smaller, everyone needs to be connected, really. So we're, you know, we've been great in our recruitment efforts. We increased by 12% last year. We're looking for at another great growth of 20 new members over the last year. And because we're seeing that firms, accounting firms need to belong. They have clients who are international. You'll, you'll find very few companies out there that don't have an international need or an international element. And those that are just embarking on those international journeys need to be able to go to a firm that can refer them to other accountants around the world. Because if they can't, that company who starts to expand internationally will probably leave them and go to a big four firm who has offices everywhere. So if you want to protect your client base and look to pitch towards new international clients, you need to belong to a, a network that can go with the client on that international journey. Mm. And presumably, accounting firms that are, don't have a strong international presence, their attitude should be one of dig your well before you're thirsty, get this network up and running, get the relationships in place. Would you go along with that? Yeah. I mean, those that are not belong, that don't belong, probably don't see the benefits or maybe don't have a lot of international clients, so they think they can carry on the way they are but you know we're seeing that they're the firms that are really starting to struggle you know the accountant now is not the same accountant as it was years ago so the mentality has to change adaptability flexibility accountancy firms need to brace all these changes and need to see what's going on out there and the only way to differentiate themselves from the local competition is by being part of an international group and showing they have this extra umbrella if you like over them Mm. and my point is that the worst time to reach out to a network is exactly when you need it you've got to build it beforehand and nurture it so that when you do need something, those relationships are set up. No, absolutely. When somebody joins us, you know, don't expect you're going to get loads of referrals in day one. You need one or two years, come to our events, integrate with the membership. And once people learn to trust you, once people share a drink, have a conversation, they know that as their client to you, you're going to look after that client in exactly the same way as client. Some clients have been building relationships with the county firms over several years. You know, you don't want to give that to a stranger. You need to build that relationship to have that comfort. Yeah. What's your background, Stephen? So I qualified as an accountant. So I worked for a couple of years in the audit department, realized it wasn't really for me and enjoyed more business development strategy, sort of marketing sort of roles. So having done that for a couple of years, I then moved into a subsidiary of an accountancy firm that was looking to build an outsourced financial administration solution for companies uh, expanding beyond their home territory, which naturally led to me getting involved in the accounting association and, and network industry, if you like. I didn't realize as I was qualifying as an auditor that these things existed. But then I found out about networks and the variety of the role that I have to do. And I think it helps that I come from an accountancy background. I appreciate and understand my member firms. But I have other skills, I'd like to say, under my belt that, that help me progress and, and deal with the strategy of the organization. Mm. And how have you seen the accounting world change over the last five, 10 years? Oh, I think dramatically. I mean, every, every conference I go to, 
every sort of forum is all talking about the digitalization and the automation that's changing. So when I was a student or when I was studying to be an accountant, there was a lot of, you know, data processing, a lot of, you know, ticking boxes and doing a lot of the sort of routine work. And I see a lot of that changing now. And I think the the people and the talent that accountancy firms are looking to recruit is more your business development, your sales, your people, people, if you like, because I see that a lot of the processing is going to be taken over by machines. And then the accountants become more of a trusted advisor, a friend to the entrepreneurs rather than someone they just go to because they have to do an audit or they have to have their accounts done. Mm -hmm. Some accountants should be the first port of call for any business as they look to expand into other jurisdictions or set up companies. Yeah, I love what you're saying. And that's what I'm seeing in the top 100 firms that I work with is that compliance is really changing the game and the ability to have that additional opportunity conversation, the advisory conversation is the new skill set that many accountants are needing. Exactly. And I think that's how accountants need to differentiate. They need to show added value and they need to show to the client that they are adding that value. It's not just coming in to do something that they need to do. And I think clients need to obviously realize that, you know, the accountants are there to help them. And accountancy firms see a myriad of businesses from all different services and industries. And they have that experience. And with that practical experience, they can obviously help any client as they go to expand on their journeys. Mm. You mentioned earlier about this new wave of accountant coming through. What do you see as the skill set of an accountant of the future? I mean, that's interesting. I go back to what I was saying about about the conferences I've been attending. I think, you know, the, the old adage or the typical reputation that accountants are boring. I mean, if you came to one of our conference conferences, far from it, our accountants boring. You know, there's so much energy and ambition. There's so much entrepreneurial flair amongst accountants now. They pretty much can partner a, a company looking to expand because they seem to have that talent and understanding of business. Mm. I think, as I was saying, you know, long gone are the days that an accountant is someone that sits in a back dark room and writes on a spreadsheet or, or deals with um, a lot of the sort of data processing type work. And it's more that the accountants now are going out there, integrating, building relationships, understanding, listening to their clients and really getting into the detail of the clients so they know what and how to advise. Mm-hmm. I've got a model where I said the accountant of the future has four key skills and you might want to add to this, but first, they've got to have great technical skills, which uh-huh. they've always had. Second, sure. now they've got to have good technological skills. They've got to know the tech. Third, they've got to have great people skills, that that empathy, that EQ possibly. And fourth, they've got to have great selling skills. They've got to have a business development mindset. They've got to add value and be able to win work. Would you go along with those and would you add anything? Yeah, you're going to still have a variety of people. So you're going to have people in your teams who are slightly more technical and people who are slightly more sales. But I think the people that are going to be heading up those those practices need a good element of all of those skills that you mentioned. Mm. I think, yeah, the sales comes hand in hand in, in marketing as well. We had a marketing meeting beginning of this year, first time we've had one just for that. And it's interesting still how many accountancy firms still don't appreciate the value of marketing and what it adds. So I think when you look at the, the firms that are going to struggle, the ones that say, you know, we don't need to market, we get enough business from face-to-face relationships and referrals and contacts, but they don't realize that eventually other firms are going to overtake them because those clients are eventually going to get older and they're, they're not going to keep up with the game 
if they don't look for you know unique marketing strategies. So I think a new accountant needs to really be abreast of new technologies, needs to be adaptable and flexible in its approach. It's not like we've done this so many years, it's worked, why fix it? Mm. You need to fix it because things are changing and you need to be able to move with those changes. Yeah. What's really working for successful accounting firms? You mentioned recruiting the right people and I travel around the world a lot and every single country without fail, whether it's Latin America, Asia, Europe or wherever, their biggest challenge is retaining the right talent, young, good talent and attracting that right talent. So the successful firms are the ones that are able to do that. And I think they do that by being flexible, this sort of flexible working lifestyle and that lifestyle, you know, balance, uh, work-life balance that the younger, the young generations look for. So I think you've got to really understand your people, be flexible, offer them the opportunities to get more involved. The international connectivity is always appealing to the younger generations as well and really retain that talent. So one, retain talent. Two, differentiation, which may be obviously belonging to an international group like Russell Bedford, but also becoming specialists. So I think no longer is an accounting firm like a one-stop shop for all. You now need to sort of uh, promote your niches, your specialisms. So I think the accounting firms that look for industry sectors or service lines where they're more specialist at are the ones that are going to thrive. You need different resources, maybe in the same jurisdiction, because people and county firms will have different specialisms. Hmm. How has the way firms grow and and stand out and win business changed over the years? I think, again, the older generations, times gone past will be, you know, it's all contact, it's it's relationships, it's clients referring to other clients. And that still happens, of course. But I think now in the modern age of, you know, digitalization, social media, you've got to be out there promoting your brand. You've got to be visible. You've got to be on social media. You've got to appeal to the, I keep saying it, but the younger generation is the future leaders of, of your future clients. And if you're not appealing to them, if you're not visible on the internet, you're going to be a dying breed. And eventually, you know, you might say you get enough work from your connections, but eventually those connections are going to retire. And if there's no succession planning, that's where you're going to struggle. Mm. So the hiring policy needs to change as well, does it? Because the accountant they hired 10 years ago might be different to the ones they would hire today. Yeah, absolutely. I assume the interview process when you go to graduates of universities, you're really looking for those people, people. And as you mentioned before, empathy, understanding, people who are able to listen and really get to know the clients and those networking skills are so important. Now, how many, you know, all of the connections that you and I have would have come from other connections and networking. And if you're not comfortable standing in a room and building a relationship with someone, you know, you're going to struggle. And I think those are the people that are going to be attractive to the accountancy firms, those that have that personality behind them and and can sell the brand of the accounting firm. Mm. And the image of accountant is changing as well. It's attracting more of those kind of people, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Because as I said, you know, the, the kind of boring accountant's reputation I'm hoping is kind of fading now a training in accountancy gives you so much of a foundation of knowledge of companies and how they work it just leads to so many other things. I mean, you know, even look at myself. So I trained as an accountant and now, you know, traveling around the world, looking after accountants, meeting lots of people from a variety of walks of life and cultures and getting involved in a lot of strategy and business development things. But I've still, you know, 
have a lot of respect for my accountancy qualification and background. Mm. When you look at the accounting profession sector, whatever you call it, what are the key challenges it faces right now? I think a lot of things we, we've already touched upon. So the challenges with technology changing, you know, so many people are kind of fearing technology. I think maybe there's a bit of scare tactics for the big four out there saying, you know, we're ahead of the game and you're never going to compete with us. But when I was at university, very few people had a mobile phone. Very few people knew much about the internet and email was something you had to go to a specific room to log into and you didn't really understand. So to think where we are now, you know, that should have been one of the most scary things that email would take over communication and everything this sort of new wave of, of new technology should not be as scary as that for want of a better word and i don't understand why there's so much you know anxiety i think if anything that new technology should help people be able to focus more on the things we've discussed being able to get to know your client more because something else i.e machine is doing all the all this sort of generation work in the background and you are able to understand the client and, and give them more advice mm. And, and if we take the word digital, we've mentioned it a couple of times. What does that digital mean in the Stephen Hamlet Dictionary of Life and Business? <laughs> it means a lot of things, really. I mean, if you, again, if you, if you look at accountants that say they don't want to change and, and, you know, everything's working, why fix it? If you think about cassette tapes, my cassette machine when I was younger used to work perfectly fine. So if you said, well, it's not broken, don't fix it, then we'd never have had the iPod, which is digital music. I remember the times of um, tapes, where, well, they wouldn't always work because the tape would come out and you'd have to rolled it with a pencil and pen. Do you remember that? Trying to yeah. get And then everything became digital. Music became digital. Video became digital. So to me, it's just making things just that much more accessible. You had to go around with a Sony Walkman and so many cassettes. Now it's, you've got, you know, I've got 20,000 tunes on my iPhone, all digital. You know, the paperwork is now all online. So yeah, the term digital can encompass a number of sources. Yeah. And looking at the leaders in the accounting firms, they've got to drive change. They've got to alter culture and keep things moving forward. What advice have you got for them on driving through that change and, and being good leaders in trouble? I time? think look at your people, look after your young people, for, you know, I stage the people you want to succeed you. Because I think the firms that don't have a succession plan are the ones that suddenly, oh, I'm retiring tomorrow, what are we going to do kind of thing. We haven't really identified the next generation of leaders. So look after your people, find out what makes them buzz, find out what they want and find out how to keep them in your organization. And then you're going to keep your, your firm afloat of these of these technologies. And, and don't be scared to ask, because I think a lot of leaders are probably think, oh, I don't really understand this. But speak to your younger staff who do understand it and get everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any changes in client expectations of the accountant? The client used to think of the accountant as someone we have to have an audit done. We have to have our bookkeeping done. Hey, man, what are we really paying money for kind of thing? But now they do look to accountants as the trusted advisors, the accountants, then the lawyers to help them develop and expand their company and help them come up with uh, strategies that will be good tax advice, good setup of company, understanding the technical, obviously, um, the technical regulations and legislation in those jurisdictions and looking to the accountant as kind of a friend a business friend who they can come to when they have need to organization and they're looking for the, something that might need changing the organization. So it's not someone you need to do your annual accounts. It's someone you should have with throughout the year and regular lunches with to keep the client abreast of changes and things they should be thinking of. Have those conversations. Yeah. You sound very passionate about your role. What do you love most about what you do? Uh, I think it's really the people interaction. And, you know, a lot of people have been commenting about, I like writing my little posts on LinkedIn as I meet the 
different cultures around the world. I love the variety of the role. I love the fact that I'm helping companies develop in some developing countries where I travel to that may not be up on the technologies that we can kind of help them and they can learn from our more Western world member firms. But it's just, you know, getting that satisfaction of seeing members come up to you at a conference and saying, you've really helped us in the last year. You know, we had this client that you managed to refer to another member firm, or you've really helped us understand what we should be doing regarding our marketing strategy and using the Russell Bedford brand. And it's that kind of satisfaction, the feedback you get when you meet these people which is why I always say I can never see machines taking over the roles of people and that interaction and the conference, the physical conferences will always take place. Face-to-face interaction is where it all happens and building those relationships. Yeah, I just get a buzz of putting all people together and connecting people and and getting to understand what they need and, and helping them. Do you have a personal philosophy for success? Stephen, are you a reader, a listener? I'm quite a good listener. So I think it's very important to be the person at the meeting that listens to everyone and then sort of concludes and summarizes what you feel. So I think you've got to really listen. I've learned in the past, you can't please everyone all the time. So I think that's quite an important thing to realize. So I think if you listen to everyone, if you really analyze situations, then come up with your gut instinct of what you think is the best and right thing to do. I am quite a passionate, analytical person. I think I saw on your profile that you used to play chess or you play chess. I do. I love chess. Chess and backgammon are my two board games. Yeah. Well, I was the under 12 Kent chess champion. Oh, wow. Played chess um, for county level up to the age of 18. I mean, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It kind of, because it helps you analyze the next strategic sort of move. Mm. In negotiation, it's kind of like, you know, if I do that, they'll do that, and then they might do that. This is what you have to do in chess. You have to analyze so many moves in advance. So that can drive you crazy, but it can also help you really understand and empathize with people about what the next stage is. So I think that's, you know, I kind of live a lot of my life and really seeing things through and planning, but also I'm very passionate about, you know, I'm quite a philosophical person. So in in my youth, I'd read people like Paolo Coelho and and if you read like The Alchemist, and I think that kind of philosophy of you can travel around the world which is what I do but what you're really looking for is is on your doorstep so you know we could have a whole conversation about philosophy but yeah I think that's what keeps me going that and and also you know that I think things happen for reasons you have to believe in something and you have to really do what you love doing and be passionate about it and treat people well and they'll treat you well back sounds like a great mantra for life (laughs) absolutely is there anything you believe really deeply that other people think is crazy you know without getting to religion and you know things do come back to you I've had a lot of experiences in my life when you can be in dark, dark times, but then things always seem to work out in the end. And I think if you do put a lot of trust in people, and if you do keep those connections, those people will always come back and help you when you're in a situation. And I had that quite recently, and I got a lot of support from people. And it just made me realize that by being nice to people in the past, they're going to be nice to you when you need them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, not everyone's nice, obviously, and you have challenging situations and things will happen. But I believe people will realize, you know, what they did and they'll understand and life will challenge them in a, in a different way. So I think you've just got to, you've got to believe in what you do and be passionate and, and be, be truthful to yourself. It's a great philosophy. I had a brain hemorrhage two years ago and so many people came out of the woodwork that I didn't realize that I'd invested in and spent time with over the years and, and such a, ro- a rock of support that it was one of the things as well as my faith, my Christian faith that got me through. So you just don't know what seeds you're, you're sowing and what bridges you're building when you network. No, absolutely. And like I said, 
say I recently got a lot of support from a lot of people and sometimes the people you think you're going to get support from you find out who your friends are in trouble and I think you really do you find out the people that are going to support you and we only have one life you need to build relationships with people and you need to help them when they need and quite deep here now a couple more questions Stephen <laughs> what frustrates you most about your job or perhaps the accounting profession it frustrates me that, that you're not able to please everyone all the time I like to please everyone I like people to feel satisfied and, it, and sometimes it's just impossible people want different things I'm lucky at Russell Bedford that we don't have many firms like this because they're all very professional but it does frustrate me when you do hear accountants say you know we don't need to do marketing we don't need any more clients we've got enough here and what's all this technology about it will go away and disappear so it kind of frustrates me people that don't want to advance and don't want to change things another kind of analogy is when you're sitting on a train and there's another train next to you I always thought that when the train next to you moves forward you think you're going backwards but you're not actually but I think in the accounting profession you probably are because if you stay still and someone goes forwards you are in effect going backwards because if you don't go forwards you're going to decline and everyone's going to be ahead of you in the game of marketing and technology and you're going to start going backwards really so you can't stand still so I think you have to change and it frustrates me when people say everything's been working fine for the last 20 years and it will continue to work fine we don't need to change well speaking of change is there anything you've changed your mind on over the last few years the whole thing about trying to please everyone it's not possible and you have to really go more with your feeling and once you've understood what everybody wants you've obviously got to go with what you feel is right for the organization the kind of trust issues with people i'm also quite skeptical and i think you know i lead my life and can't really trust everyone but i think you also got to believe in everyone and give everyone a chance so as i start to travel around the world and, and see the admiration and respect out there it just makes you realize that you know there's so many good people and unfortunately the press and publicity only seems to glamorize promote the negativity you know around the world and there is so much anxiety we're really living in challenging times governments corruption terrorism and it's very easy to lose sight that this is just a minority you know the majority of people out there are really looking to grow expand and help other people mm. and that's the philosophy you've got to kind of live with it's very easy to get sucked into the negativity of life like it Stephen if people want to find out more about you and Russell Bedford how might they reach you my emails on the website follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter uh, there's a lot going on there and it's interesting to see what we're doing at Russell Bedford around the world yeah well Stephen Hamlet that's been world class thanks so much for sharing your thoughts today thank you Rob my absolute pleasure great to talk to you You've been listening to the Accounting Leaders Podcast with me, Rob Brown. I want to personally thank you for spreading the word and sharing our show with your accounting network. And if you are an accountant who wants to master the skills of winning business for your firm and enhancing your income and career prospects, our Business Development Academy site has some great training for you at bdacademy.pro. Now do connect to me on LinkedIn and at the Rob Brown on Twitter. I'd love to hear what you think about this show and our other hugely popular sister podcast, Accounting Influence. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your day.